Welcome back. No, I believe podcast, a podcast focused on beating the hell out of your negative voice. Norito Diase is the host. This is your first time listening to my unbelievable podcast. This is a podcast where we overcome the negative critic, the inner critic, the inner voice that wants you to stop growing and stop being who you actually want to be in this life. This is where we confront that voice. Anyways, this week, I'm grateful. I'm thankful. I'm excited. I'm happy to have the gentleman that I have on here today because he is my former teammate with the NAS Suns where we took big L's. <laughs> He's a professional Damn. basketball player, Montana State alum, Mr. Kelgen Blevins. Man, I appreciate that. I appreciate you having me, man. Pleasure nah, to be here. It is. It's, it's great to have you on, bro, because of who you are off the court, your character. I know we weren't even the closest with the NAS, but I always saw you from afar. I'm like, this dude, his demeanor, how he is, how he shows up, you can tell a stand-up guy when you see him and you're genuine and you've always been someone that I've seen, whether it's growing to fatherhood, whether it's growing in your game and growing as a man, I'm like, damn, like that's admirable. And that's somebody that somebody needs to hear that story. So again, I appreciate you having to, to come on. Man, I appreciate you, man. Appreciate them kind words, man. Where we left off the NAS, we were ass. And to even see you from those moments there, you know, I was in Exhibit 10. You were in Exhibit 10 um, with the Blazers, uh, Tariq and all those guys. But you didn't have a prominent role on that team. And for you to be that person you were there still today and still with the Blazers and still as I saw you, I'm like, OK, th- there's not a lot of guys as I've been on different teams that are like that. Because even starting, I never start like this, to be honest. I usually start like where in your story, but I'm thinking about out loud. I'm like, I've been on a bunch of teams with a bunch of guys and to be that solid dude on the bench in the locker room, building people up. I think that's a trait that many don't have. And to start this, cause I do want to start with the formative years in your story. Where does that calm, that quiet confidence, where does that come from? Um, I mean, I, I think I would just have to give the, the credit to, to like the village that raised me. Uh, I can't even give all the credit to one person. Like, and, and you know, like my story with my dad, my dad passed my freshman year of college, but I mean, everybody say I'm just like my dad. He was, he was, he wasn't cocky, but he was always extremely confident. He believed highly in himself, but he, he loved on his people. He took care of his people. He always made sure all his people were straight. He, like you said, he, he talked that confidence into his people. And I don't know, it's just always, I was a sponge growing up and I always had older friends. I grew up with a lot of women in my life, my grandma, my aunties. I was the oldest of all my eight younger cousins. So I don't know, I feel like I was mature at a young age and I just, I just always picked up on things at an early age and, and I always knew right from wrong. I always wanted to treat people how I wanted to be treated. And I, I just carried it over to being a professional athlete. Like, you don't know people's stories you don't know what people go through like bro I went through a lot as a kid I seen a lot I don't come from a I come from a two-parent household but it was some rough times man and and my dad just always he always told me like everything happens for a reason never worry about anything everything is always going to be all right and I just that's just how I live my life man and I just I feel like life is is about love and experience other people's experiences and I don't know. It's just how I carry myself. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's it's always good to to have a good perspective of where somebody's coming from. I know you said your dad passed, but 
that's what I recognize. Somebody with a quiet confidence, a demeanor, a character, the way you moved about you. I'm like, okay, he has good parenting. He comes from something and he's not like swayed by what people say or what people are doing. I always knew like, he, he, Kel go do whatever he wants to do. Like he's not going to change or switch up. And I, and I always saw that. And just to still plant there, um, when you're in, Hot Springs, Arkansas, and you're the kid. If you wake up in the morning, you go take a shower, you come out, you look in the mirror, that kid, if I was in those shoes, what would I see? A kid that just loved life. Like, uh, I love going to school, seeing my friends, playing basketball after school, being outside with my friends. Like, I love being around my family. At that time, it was simpler times, man. And I won't, I wouldn't change anything I did. In, in the younger ages of my life, I'm going to change any of the people that was in my life. Uh, I feel like that's what made me and shaped me who I am today again. But looking in the mirror at that age, I was just, yeah, like just a kid that, that was grateful to be living life, man. And I've always been like that my whole life. And to this day, like I'm literally grateful every day I wake up and I'm able to breathe and I'm able to move and I'm able to, like it's a blessing. Like people don't understand how short life is and, how big of a blessing life really is. So that's just who I've always been. Whenever somebody is in hindsight speaking so deeply on loving life and appreciating life, it almost has me thinking and it, it takes you to a place of, Oh, you know what it feels like to lose a life. And I know that you you're, you were speaking about your father, but how, how does it feel to come to this point in life of the knowledge that there's so much more you've been to too many places outside of Arkansas and you've grown from that moment, but you still have almost in your eyes, I'm looking at you, you're like, you almost have the, the joy and the peace from before. Like if you were in those shoes again, you'd be yeah. just as happy, just as grateful from before. Like why, or how did you still come to this plate place in your life? Like, how did you get to this moment? Uh, I mean, it's, it sounds cliche and it's not like I'm just repeating myself, but I mean, it's, it's, that's what it is for me. But like, like my dad always told me one, like one of his biggest things he always told me growing up, even when I was a kid was like, never be a follower. Like, you only get one life. You live your own life how you want to live your own life. Never be a follower. Never be easily influenced. And and just do do whatever you feel like you like you need to do in your life. You want to do in your life. And he, like, he literally was one of the people that was like, anything you want to do, you can do it. And he always seen that I was a little bit smarter uh, at a younger age. He wanted me to get into tech. He used to want me to be a lawyer. Like, he's, he's my dad used to always just say, be something, bro. He used to always say that. And I don't know, like him talking that confidence into me had played a big part, but also just like, like my support system, bro. I got so many people in my life that's in my corner, that's genuinely in my corner, genuinely care about what I do in my life and where I go. And part of me is like, I will feel not like a failure, feel like I'm letting them down. But if I'm not who I am, I'm not being who I, who I am every day. I'm a reflection of them one. So I feel like I'm letting them down in that sense. Like if I'm if I'm out here not doing what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm not on top of everything I'm supposed to be on top of, I'm letting 
I'm letting not only my people, but my city down. Like, I don't know. And I, I, I take pride in that. And I take pride in where I come from and who I am and who raised me. Like, that's the biggest thing for me. In our relationship, in our time with Naz, I see you as calculated. Even now you're going and you're pondering back. You're real calculated. It was funny. I watched a video of y'all slap boxing outside. <laughs> and like somebody was calling everybody out. And it's almost like you were looking at like, all right, he going to call me out. Let me get ready. You got your ones. And then you came back. Like you had the mindset to keep going. Even walking me through those times, like you, you spoke on like why you care so much and, and, and kind of who raised you. But if you were to the simpler times of, just being outside with the boys. Cause that's my background too. Like I resonate with going outside, getting them ones and playing football, playing different sports. Like that's what life was about. And if I'm thinking about my life, I'm like, I wish I was in those moments. I wish I could go back to, to really, you know, I feel like nowadays people don't get those experiences for you and your, and your moment. I was going to ask about a pivotal moment that, that made you want to, I guess, grow out of where you're from, because there's something that you said um, you were able to be on the Rockets and your coach took you across the country and it gave you a sense of more, more outside of where you're from, from the simpler times to traveling across the country or playing AAU sports. What was the moment that you found that you said, okay, I'm much more than where I'm from? Um, that was, that was definitely a big, that was a big moment. Uh, my coach, uh, Jeffrey Quarter, he, he started our AAU program. Him and, um, may he rest in peace too. My coach, coach Marcus, Marcus Bland, they, they came together, two guys from High Springs, seen a group of knuckleheads and decided to start an AAU program. Nothing, they had no help. We had to raise all our own money. We had to do everything. The Wings was asking me to come play with them. I told them no, like I wanted to stay with my local team. So they put it together. Um, why? Our first year, we was decent. Like, why did you want to stay? Again, bro, that's just like, I don't, I think that's just me as a person. Like, I wanted to show that I can stay with my team and still become who I wanted to become. Like, I didn't have to go play with the Wings to get to where I wanted to get to. At that time, like, even when we was on the Suns, like, I looked at y'all, all y'all as my brothers. Like, when I was with my AAU team, them was my brothers. And these is, I've been knowing since real sandbox. So I'm like, I can't leave. We doing this together. Like, we doing every every step we we taking together. So we ended up going to Nashville. We won a big tournament. We ended up going to Nationals. We drove to Florida, raised our own money. We drove 20 hours from Arkansas to Florida, bro, in a van with hell of us. We ended up getting third, and I think that was the first time where I was like, we seen all these different big teams, all these big programs, all these players. And that was my first time really getting introduced to that type of world. Like, I didn't even know that world existed. I never, at that age, I wasn't thinking about the NBA. I wasn't thinking, I was being a kid, bro. Like, I I had a real childhood. Like, I wasn't one of them kids that always was, I wasn't working out as a kid. Like, none of that. That was a moment where I was like, like oh, like, it's way more to to the world than just Hot Springs, Arkansas. It's way more, it's a lot more out here. To this day, I'm grateful and thankful to Coach Jeff too. When you're saying this, bro, like your dad's pouring in confidence and he, he keep making you solid, like you you come from something, but then you play sports and you're just having fun as a kid. 
what makes you and what drives you to say, all right, I'm going to take this serious. I'm going to go, I'm going to like sell out and grind for this sport because I've had people come on like a Dre. He said since early days, he was practicing with his daddy in, in the gym early on, working out, ready for this dream. It's so interesting that, you know, during that time, I always say through adolescence, age eight to 18, we really find our own belief system. Like you grow up with the values of the house and your environment. So like my Nigerian household values were strong and like in my in neighborhood, I'm like, bro, you can't be sweet out here. So I already have that ilk. But right. growing from there and I go to school, I find my own belief system. I was doing the wrong things. I was in the gangs at first because I'm finding myself when you come from yeah. a solid background in the home and you're able to pick your route and you held in on basketball, what was the switch that made you, I guess, discover that you love this thing and you want to run with it? Because I know during childhood, you picked up different things and different sports. Like why yeah. basketball? That's a, that's a, another story in itself. Cause I didn't start hooping until the seventh grade. So I was a, I was a football player my whole life. Like I played peewee, like pads when I was like six, seven years old. So I got to 10th grade and my dad, he made me pick a sport. He was like, like you're getting older. He's like, I want you. He was never like the one to wake me up and we got to go work out and we got to go to the gym. He was never that dad, but he cared. He was supportive. He was at every game, all that. But he was, he played like the background he played and he, he wasn't super involved. Like far as sports wise, like he pushed me to do it, but it wasn't like, he let me be a kid at the same time. But 10th grade came around. He was like, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that you need to, to pick one sport and go with it because I think you can, whichever one you want to do, I think you can you can do it. Like, again, he always spoke that confidence into me. Secretly, though, I always knew he wanted me to play football because I was way better at football. I played football my whole life. But I was weak when I started hooping. <laughs> I was weak. So I really think he thought that I was going to play football. I ended up picking basketball, bro. But my dad ain't talked to me for like a week. Cause I had, I lied to him. I, I was acting like I was still going to football practice. I lied, bro. He was, he, he wanted, he would not talk to me for like a week, bro. He, he just felt like my dad really thought I could go to the NFL. Like he really believed I could go to the NFL. And that's why even now, like I'd be so proud that I did what I did. And I know he said it from above, but I wish he was here to see it. Like I really went to the NBA playing basketball when he wanted me to play football. So, I mean, I feel like that was that was a big part of it, like him making me choose a sport at the age. It, when you when you go and I could picture you going to your dad and saying, look, dad, I am not playing the sport that I've been playing and I've been growing. I've been being good at and you probably want me to play. I'm not playing that sport. I want to play this sport. You talked about him not talking to you for a week. But if you were to take me through that week, like what was that like? You come home and your daddy ain't even talking to you. Like I'm like, what's up? Like I, I mean, made a decision. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he would it, it was he would talk to me, but you can it was just like a you can tell it was like tension. Like he. Like, he was really mad that I lied about not going, like, that I was still going to practice and shit. I don't think he was mad about the sport that I chose, necessarily. It was, like, the way I went about it. Like, I still made it seem like I was still on the football team and I was still doing these certain things, and I really wasn't. Like, I was going to hoop at churches, and I was going to the park, and I was going to, like, I was hooping. I always ask this to myself, bro. It's like, when I picked up the game, bro, I only picked up the game because I remember watching the joy behind my family's eyes that they watch Hakeem Olajuwon play and they used to love him. I always said, bro, I don't love the game. I just love the way it makes people feel when they watch it. And so I kept doing it. 
And so, like, I always ask people, mm-hmm. do you actually love the game? And, like, what is the meter to where you can measure how much you love it? Because if you could get paid equally for something else, would you play basketball? Um, For me, I say, yeah. I think I genuinely, I built the passion for the game. I don't think I was in love with the game as soon as I started playing. I think I, I fell in love with first, like the brotherhood of it, like growing up, always being with my brothers, like always being with my friends. And we all had that same thing in common. And it brought us together. I think that's what it was at first. But then it was like, oh, this is something I'm really good at. I can be good at it. And every time, you know how it is, every time you feel like you step on the court, I feel like I get better. So now it's like, oh, and I think I think I now at this age, at this level, when I was younger, it was that it brought joy playing basketball. Like I couldn't wait to get out of school to go hoop. I couldn't like when I was younger, I didn't work out. I was going to hoop after school. I'm going to whatever church they playing at. I'm at the hood in the park. I'm wherever they hooping at. I'm there. Like now, I think I'm so in love with like the process of like getting. But like I literally like go, when I go work out, I like going to work out and like knowing I'm going to be better after that. Like. I'm getting better at this, or I can do this this way, or do this that way. Oh, that's the thing, that bro. Of- that's the thing. I, I'm so glad you said that. That's the thing because I feel like I'm the same way. But you could do that with workouts. You could do that with any type of training. You could do that with anything. So I'm like, bro, is it really the game, or is it just the the feeling of damn, like I'm getting better at this, and I could see it and I could track it. Like that's what I think about. I don't know, like. But I think now as a professional too now, I, I, I am in love with the game because I appreciate, like, I appreciate the greatness of other players. I appreciate watching other players and what they're good at and how they do certain things. And I appreciate everything that goes into it from the coaching to the last person on the bench. Like, again, like everybody got their own stories. Everybody lived their own life. And it's just, it's so crazy watching it all play in the part in basketball. Like, I think I'm in love with that part of it. Like, it's just so, it's so much of a part of my life now. And like people say it, but I really can't see my life without basketball now. Like, and I know I can probably go do something else. I can, I can be successful in something else, but like, it's just that passion for basketball I have now. Being younger and watching Brian, like, and seeing Brian now, like, it's crazy to me. Like, that was, Brian was probably the first real reason why I really, really wanted to hoop. If it's, if it was going off of like somebody, like watching somebody, like, I had a Brian high school jersey when I was in damn middle school. Like I do, I, I do believe I'm truly in love with the game of basketball. And I can tell because you normally those questions. If I ask that question, the person goes on. I'm like, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. You win. Like I believe it. And that is funny because I'm still asking myself that when you taking it to your story. When yeah. you, if you were to fast forward and go to your, let's say your junior year of high school, you play at one school and then the next year you transfer and you're a guy that family, the community doing it with your brothers. I'm like, it, it doesn't, that is an extremely different transition to go to a different school from where you from. Cause I'm, I'm a, I would say Texas is the South and we're all close knit. Everything you said, like, Pulling in funds to be on the AAU team. Like, that's what we did. We're all in close. Cause so I couldn't fathom, which I did because I only had to, like, my, my extra senior year, I went to prep school in Florida. But for you, mm-hmm. your senior year in high school, you leave to go to another school. What was that like? Like, what was that transition like? Man, that was, 
that was the first time I think me and my mom and my dad and my sister realized like, oh, this basketball thing is real. My cousin, Damien's older brother, Houston Lillard, that's like one of my mentors, one of my closest people in my life. He was pushing so hard for me to, because in Arkansas, we didn't really have exposure like that. And like I said, I wanted to stay with my local team. And at that time, I was like, again, I was still being a kid. Like I didn't have them aspirations for real. I did, but I didn't. Like it wasn't something I'm like, oh man, I really, but he was like, man, we gotta, we gotta get you a highlight tape made. We gotta get like, people gotta know you. So it made me a highlight tape, bro. And I kid you not, Coach Wooten called me. We got in touch with Houston and called my mom and was like, we all sat down in the living room, bro. He was on speaker and he was like, we want Keldrin to come to Virginia. We've seen his highlight tape. Um, we're at prep school, Catholic school in Bishop O'Connell uh, in, in Arlington, Virginia. He can come stay with me. We can help you guys out with the tuition. We got we got a financial aid program that we can help you out with the tuition. He can, he can stay in my house with me and my family because we, uh, we told him, like, we, we big family people, like, and that's how it happened, bro. My, we got in the car. They drove me up there. I forgot how many hours it was. We drove up there. And at that time, we got to think, like, my parents, like, it's my first time leaving the house. It was weird for me. Like, I, I'm I'm from Hot Springs, Arkansas. Like, <laughs> I'm going to a all a predominantly white school, Catholic school, wearing uniforms every day. Like, it was definitely, it was different. But it, I think that was, that might have been the shift in the moment where I feel like I just knew it was something I had to do to get to where I wanted to get to. The sacrifice it took to say, okay, I'm going to leave my family. I'm going to leave my friends. I'm going to lock into this goal. If you were to take me to your first day at that school, y'all probably had uniforms. Y'all probably all white school. You do, you do, you stick out. Like walk me through that day. Like what was the first moment that you realized like, damn, this is not hot springs. Like first situation, first circumstance where you like, I can't really go off on these folk like I do back home. Let me play my position. Let me. I mean, shit, not even the first day of school, the first day at coach house. Like, <laughs> it's, a, he's, it's all white family. It's him, his wife, three kids. He got uh, two daughters and a son. The food was different. Like, the way they talked was different. Like, it was just, it was, it was, it was different. Everything about it was different. That was the first thing. Then going to school, it was just like, of course, like my teammates, like introduced, uh, talk, I got introduced to all my teammates and that was really like, I was just with them the whole first day and they were just showing me the way around. But it was still, like you said, like you stuck out, people staring at you. They knew you played on the basketball team. Going to lunch was different. They had a full buffet at lunch. Like, yeah, I'm like, did they do this in high schools? Like, <laughs> yeah. you get to pick different types of food that you want for the day. People that was getting dropped off, like the kids getting dropped off by their parents and Mercedes and BMWs and, I'm like, bro, what is this? Like, where am I? The education was even different. We had to go to mass. My third day there, I think we had like a mass. And I'm like, what is this? And then it's in the DMV. So I'm coming from the South. I'm coming, I'm hearing all these different accents. Like one of my teammates, Aiko, he was, he from the trenches in DC. Like he got that real DC accent. And that shit was always weird and funny to me. It was different, but it was, it was cool. And it was like, that was another moment where I was like, it's more to just, than just high springs. Cause I made relationships with some of these people. I made connections with these people. Like we had certain stuff in common. Like even though we were for different places in, in the States, like damn near everybody lived the same life, bro. In, in in a way, like it's different, but it's it's almost the same. So and I'm I'm glad you said that because that's definitely something I've learned on this podcast. That even hearing your story, I'm literally, and that's why I kind of visually like to take the listener there to hear your story, to hear, damn, like if I had to wear these clothes, eat this food, look at all these people that I don't know, 
in myself, I'll feel almost vulnerable. Like, bro, I don't even know how to act. Like, I know my daddy raised me to stand on what I stand on, but I got to survive yeah. here too. So I don't know yeah. how to be like, y'all, when you think about that kid then and growing into all you are now, if you were to tell that kid something that you wish that you would have known earlier, what would that message be to that kid? That's tough. Probably because it's a kid that's facing the unknown, facing a transitional stage. I was about to say, always trust and believe yourself and all your decisions. Like, I think I would say that. Never second guess yourself and always trust and believe and always be who you are. Did you feel like you were able to make your own decision, like yours, not your family's, not anybody else's, but your own decision at the time? Yeah, I, I did. I believe I, I made my own decision. Yeah, because a lot of times we're influenced by that. At the end of the day, I think I, I made my decision. I think I made the right decision. And like I said, I wouldn't change anything going back. Going to college when you pick a Southern Miss and you stay there and then you transfer. And so this kid is <laughs> in his store. He's moving all around the country chasing this game that he loves. And he transfers to a Montana state and he ends his college career there. When you think about your college journey, what do you think that? Because it's, it's hard. It's hard because... I'm picturing myself as you and you're chasing this game, whether you go to the school in, in high school and then you come to Southern Miss and you go to Montana State, you're chasing this dream. You're you're following the footprint or the footsteps of your cousin and, and your family that's pushing you towards this game. When you think about basketball and all the places that you've been from pre-pro career, what did it cost you that journey? Mm, like you said, it was a lot of sacrifice. The thinking back on it and looking back on it, what it cost me most was connections and relationships to the people back home. Like even to this day, I haven't really been back home like that. I go visit, of course, I'm in and out, but I haven't lived in Arkansas since I was a junior in high school. So I feel like it's not a disconnect, but I feel like it's it cost me not cost me some relationships, but it just it, it put like a distance in between some real strong relationships I had back home. It just just missing out on my little cousins growing up. Just different stuff in my just like my family dynamic was like changing just because like I'm not there. Mm -hmm. So it's different. Like of course we face we talk to people all the time. I talk to all my people on the phone. But I think that was that was the biggest thing. Like I I've I've been on the move since then. Since since I left my junior year in high school, I've been on the move from O'Connell to no offers from O'Connell. So I went and played AAU after my senior year with the New Orleans Elite. I was in New Orleans for three months. From New Orleans to Southern Miss, Southern Miss for two years. Um, Southern Miss to Montana State. And when I was in Southern Miss, it was still, it was easier back home because it was a six-hour drive. I probably drove home, bro, every two weeks, bro. What? <laughs> I probably was driving. Bro. That's how much I love being at home and how much I missed home and how much I missed my people, bro. Mm. I had a car. My dad got me a car. So I was, I drove home a lot. But then from Southern Miss to Montana State, I was in Montana for three years. Graduated from Montana, from Montana to Portland, from Portland to Arizona, from Arizona to back to Portland for two years. 
Portland to Romania, Romania, and now I'm in Canada. Like it's 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 been an ongoing journey, and I feel like the most sacrifice is just not really being able to be with my people as much as I would like to be. Bro, yeah. And when you put it like that, it's just and knowing your story is tough because I know you got a lot of tattoos and on one of your arms and on one of your on your back, you don number twenty one. And it almost seems, bro, in your story, the, the month of January is is a is a real pivotal month. During this time, it's like you think yeah. about the family really the most. And when you're in Canada at this moment, thinking about your life and you're thinking about your journey, like you just said, I asked you this before the call, but I'm almost thinking now I, I jump a lot as I speak, but what are you, or do you think you're still chasing something? Because why listening, if a listener is listening, you're like, all right, go back home, bro. Like this guy loves home, loves his family. Go back, like go back. You did it. You were in the league. You made your family proud. You made your city proud. Go back. Like, what do you think as a man that you're still chasing? Um, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily chasing anything at this point. I love the game of basketball, but now at the same time, it's also a means of how I take care of myself and how I take care of my family. And now I got a three-year-old daughter. She turns three in on the like 12th. two days. <laughs> turns three on the 12th. On the 12th. So now it's like, now I understand why I'm making these sacrifices. I know I got to do what I got to do now. I don't necessarily feel like it's a chase because me personally, I'm not chasing to get back into the NBA. I mean, yes, it would be amazing. I would love to be back in the league. But that's not, I'm not chasing that. Like, I came to Canada for an opportunity to to show that I can still play, show that I'm still who I am, to hopefully end up in a, in a way better situation next year um, where I'm able to bring my family along with me and we, we all live comfortably together. But I don't feel like I'm necessarily chasing anything as far as, like, a I don't know how to put it. Like, I do want to be, like, I, I there's things that I do want to do that I do want to fulfill playing basketball. I've never won a championship. I want to do that. Um, but also now, like, being overseas and experiencing different places, that's been a blessing in itself, bro. And now I don't want that to, to stop while I still can play. Like, I want to see the world now. When you get to Europe, but you can bounce around in so many different countries in a, in the blink of an eye. Like, oh, it's so close. So I want to see the world. I want to. I want my daughter to experience something that I never in my life could have even thought of experiencing at her age. Like, she's gonna be three year three years old and probably see half of the world by the time she's ten. Like stuff like that, and you know, like me and my girlfriend, they talk about marriage, like stuff like that. But I don't feel like I'm chasing anything necessarily. At this point, I'm just living my life and basketball just happens to be a big part of that. It's funny that you you made a disclaimer that you're not chasing it. And I, I guess I guess because in my mind, I think I am something like I have this conversation with some of my friends all the time. It's like I'm driven when we're driven. And as athletes, you're driven to do this thing. But is it more so are we driven or are we dragged by something like we seen where we came up from urban community, made, made it out and helping our family, helping and doing it for a real cause. But like there's a 
there's a point in your life where if somebody outside looking in and we can talk about your cousin being Damian Lillard, you being in the NBA, you have probably a network to where, oh, if I wanted to stop the game right now, I could probably go work and make means for my family. That's why I'm like, right. so why, what is this drive, this internal thing that makes it, all right, nah, I still got goals. I still want to make the uh, a championship. I still, like, what is that? I always ask myself, because I, I don't know. I think I am inherently maybe dragged by just the will to do something greater. I, I'm, it's something I think about. I'm curious. I think, I think, I don't think that's something that we can answer for ourselves. If I'm being honest, I think, I think that's God, bro. Like I think God instilled that into us to, cause I can't like, it's days where I don't want to wake up. It's days where I don't want to go work out, but it's just some in me that's like, get up, go work out. Like you got to do this. Like you got to get better. You have to, and like, of course, I can say it's to feed my family, it's to do this, it's to do this with my people. But at the same time, like you said, like my network, I probably can find a job where I'm making six figures and I'm not hooping. I don't know. Like, I, I genuinely believe it's, it, it has to be God, bro, because I can't give you a straight answer as to what I'm chasing or, or as to what that drive is outside of now my love for the game and me wanting to feed my family. So I think the answer to that is, is God instilling that drive into us. And I also feel like for me, like I just want to keep making my dad proud. And I know, but like, even then, even in that, like I know I make him proud as a man I am and who I am in my family and the way that I carry myself and the way that I do certain things. So I don't know, but I really think that's God, bro. It is God. And I want to read something you put up. You said, don't ever listen to they. If you want something bad enough, make it happen by any means. Those who know me can tell you the road and the route I've been on my whole life. It's been bumps, but nothing ever made me give up or nothing ever made me quit. I'm still not where I want to be, but I'd be lying if I said that I'd, I'd be lying if I didn't say this is a dream come true. I say all that to say, this is way bigger to me. Don't think because you come from a small town, no offers, nobody coming to check for you means that your dream is over and done with. Push harder and want it more. I had one of my closest people in my life tell me I got to want it more because I wasn't working hard enough. I dedicate everything I had in me to this game from that day forward and everything fell into place out of nowhere. It all means something. You wrote that on December 24th. And I was going to read that earlier, but that just, when I read it, I was like, damn, like, bro, this is, it's beautiful because you're given a summary of your life and everybody can see themselves in that story. And everybody, somebody listening to this is counted out, is doubted on it and doesn't have the light from other people. And when I think about that, I almost think about the things that you did have, you had your father, you had your family, but you also had a cousin who came from a, a, a mid-major school and who's done it at a larger scale now, who you had the pleasure of playing with, Damian Lillard. When you think about not only your journey of signing, because when you sign, I'm like, bro, that is so love. That Honestly, bro, when you signed, bro, I said, that is so dope. That, like, I was almost proud. Like, that was me because I remember them yeah. shitty Naz son, the the bathroom, everything, the coach and the situation. And so when you sign, 
it was like, damn, like this is what it 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 looks like. Like it's a it's a hope. It's inspirational. It's aspirational. It's it's something that even a, a teammate can grab onto to say, OK, it's possible. And when I think of that, I, I go on rants, but I don't care. Like I told Jello this and we were having a conversation. We played with uh, Greensboro Swarm and mm-hmm. people say, oh, your brother, you're th- this and that. I said, bro. What does that mean? God gave you that opportunity. You run with it. And for you thinking about, oh, like if I'm you, the voice would be like, oh, my cousin is on the team. Of course, I'm going to get an opportunity. And then you almost will hear that from the outside voice. But then I'm like, bro, other people got cousins, too, in the league. That doesn't mean they're NBA players. Like when you think about your journey and everything that you've done, are you able to give yourself credit through everything that I just read? Cause I'm like, damn, like I have a lot there, but I'm going to ask that question first. Yeah. No, I mean, of course at first. So of course at first it was, it was self doubt. It was, I, I, I made up so many excuses for myself to like, cause a part of me felt like not that I was cheating other players, but like, what if somebody else deserved to be here? But hmm. then, I like kicked into my mind, like, like, bro, nobody's just, it ain't one player in the NBA who don't deserve to be there, bro. Like, just being completely honest, it ain't nobody in the league that don't deserve to be there. Even if Dame, my cousin, he on the team, I'm on the two-way. If you're not good enough to be in that position, they're not going to have you there. Or if you're supposed to be doing the position I don't care who yo who who is who or who what is what you will not be in that situation and for me to get it not only one year but then to for them to sign me again that was when it was really like like oh like these people believe in me too and that's when it was like and then the way the way I just carried everything about it like it made me go even harder like when I got there because now it's like I deserve to be here, but now I want to be at another level. So I think that's what it was for me. And of course I was thankful for the opportunity, but again, like you can't ever doubt yourself when you put in this, in a, in a situation because everything happens for a reason and you will not be put in that situation. If one guy didn't want you there, until you didn't deserve to be there because of your abilities and because of the work that you put in and because all the above, bro. Like it sounds like the second time almost meant more. Yeah, for sure. Why though? I wasn't expecting to get signed another year. So when they told me that it was like, like, Oh, and then like I talked to the GM telling me what they wanted from me, what, what they expected. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Like now we, we, we doing this for real. When you when you're there just, and you're able to be with your cousin and you're able to be with uh, Carmelo Anthony and other players that are vets and they have a lot of knowledge, not only in the game, but in life. What were those if I was a fly on the wall in those locker rooms and those conversations? Because that's dope. Like, that's cool. I always like whenever I have a conversation with somebody, I want to talk about the person. So I, I don't. I don't care if it sounds bad. I don't care if your brother, your cousin was God. Like, I'm going to talk to you. <laughs> like, so, but right. strictly for this question, though, what what is it like if I was a fly on the wall? What would I hear? What would I see in those situations? 
I mean, like you said, like, we getting older now, right? Yeah. And we've been through different, we've seen a lot of different stuff. We've, we've met a lot of different people. We've been a lot of places. So for them, like a person like Melo, like that's somebody I watched since I was in middle school, somebody that I looked up to my whole entire life, my whole basketball career. And when I got on the team with him, I, I didn't know what to think. I didn't know how to think. I didn't know who, who what he was going to be like, this, that. But Melo is probably one of the most humble, down-to-earth, laid-back, cool people I've ever, ever met in my life. Mm. Like, Melo, he literally took me under his wing. Like, I got his number. I can call him when I want to text him when I want. He give me advice to this day. So, Damn. It's, it's like the conversations was more of like, yeah, they would have tell some of the NBA stories or yeah. stories like that, like funny stories, cool stories. But the best thing about that and the conversations you would hear most, like you would find on the wall is them guiding us as young black men in life, bro. Like what to do, what not to do, what to avoid. What, bro, it's, it's going to be people that just... Like, it's going to be so many people in your life trying to do this, trying to do that. Like, they it was more, they was all, like, more, like, big brothers than teammates, for real. And they all, like, I was I was blessed to be in the situation I was in to have Melo, Dame, CJ, uh, Rodney <laughs> Hood, uh, shit, Nurk, even Nurk, like, Robert Coverton, my dog, like, all these dudes who've been in NBA for this amount of time and they all like willing to give the game and give the knowledge and not just basketball. Of course it's, it's, it's a lot of, it was, it was basketball stuff as well, but it was more so life stuff. And I feel like that even on top of me being who I am and being raised the way I was being raised. But now talking to these dudes at this level, they all done made all these millions of dollars and again, like they telling you about their problems and all that. Like they they millionaires and they still got problems. They still deal with certain shit. Mm. Like, and they let you know that and they let you in and they and they that's what I appreciated the most. Is it how like, you thought it was gonna like, be? Like you're saying that, like they got millions of dollars, like they still work through things. There's people that don't think that, but like, what did you think when you when you think about it now in hindsight, like, is it the league and being in those situations in those locker rooms, did you think it was going to be like that? How did you, when you were going into it, think about it? Um, for me, it was different because I, I like, again, Dame had been in the league <laughs> damn eight years at that point. Yeah. So I knew a lot more about the NBA than the, than the average person who didn't, wasn't in that world. And he was able to coach me up on what to do, what not to do, what to think, what, like, you know, so. If you're going to give us a little bit of nuggets a game, what is that? Like, that the average person wouldn't know what not to do, what to, like, what is that game within the game, whether it's on life or the gems that he even gave you? It's tough for us a lot. <laughs> <laughs> right. Ooh, ooh, that's, that's tough. I think. See, one of them is, like, thinking that you're working hard enough. That's, that was one of the biggest ones. Like, even, bro, like, people don't know how hard these dudes work for real. <laughs> I don't think people know that. Like, 
like even Melo, Melo came in, but Melo wasn't on no, like, I'm not practicing, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. But Melo was in the gym, full sweat, full practice, after practice, like, getting shots up, real workouts, like, real movement work, like, not no just spot up jumpers. And, yeah. Like, I think that's one of the things, like, especially if I'm going to tell it to, like, these kids out here, don't ever think you're working hard enough, bro, like, ever. Like, I'm the last dude on the bench and can't nobody in there outwork me. So me seeing how hard they work, that that made me switch up mine even more. Mm. Like get to the gym earlier, work out harder, shoot this amount of shots a day. Like I think that might be the biggest thing I got as far as like a basketball sense. And in the life sense, uh Bro, like, just be you. And again, like, love on your people, bro. Like, life is short because, like I said, like, they got to this certain point in their life and they done made all this money, got all this fame. And again, like, they still deal with, deal with real life issues. Mm. Like, so it's like, no matter, like, because when you get to that point, it's like, what's what's next? What do you want to do next? Right, right. You got everything you want in your life. They, they got everything at, a, at, at the tip of their fingers, literally anything they want. No matter if you a bit, they don't have to be a billionaire. They network, they network is is worth billions. Right, like they can talk to anybody they want. They can call and make a call and talk and get whatever they want. And they all still is like, their family mean the most. Their kids mean the most. Raising their kids is what really drive them. Like them, their kids seeing them, and. I honestly feel like that's what made me, like, bro, now me, being who I am and ha- having a daughter now, like, I want her to, like, be able to talk proudly about her dad and and want to brag about her dad. And not because he was a professional athlete, but because of who he is as a person and as a man and what he taught her and what I'm going to teach her. Like, And I think that's like the game that they gave me the most that, as far as, as, as life. That, bro, that was beautiful. When I, when I think about that, it gives you a real, uh, a real deep experience and you're, you're able to come from a kid from hot springs and you bounce around before you go pro, then you turn pro and you in the slums with us to the penthouse with them. And now you're at a point where you have a daughter now and you transition away from the league and you go to Romania and now you're in Ontario. When you think about that switch, because everything that you just said, like, bro, I was watching Carmelo when I was in high school and I got him on my phone and Dane, my cousin, but now I'm in Canada with shitty Wi-Fi. <laughs> That's a total transition. <laughs> and it almost makes you like, bro, damn, like I gotta be grateful. Like, but like, bro, like, uh, we not flying private. Like it's weird for anybody. When you think about that, how have you been able to, I guess, acclimate to the situation and, and kind of build from where you're at, not seeing with the mindset of where you've been. How's that journey been? I mean, again, I mean, it, it it's, it's going to always keep going back to what it go back to, bro. 
I, I come from very humble beginnings. Bro. But it's like, hard to remember that, bro. You can't when you in, bro. When you in the league, though. I haven't even been in the league. When you when you there and you see things and you, bro, you like, damn, this is different. No, I mean it's definitely it's a, it's a different lifestyle. It's it's definitely is different. Mm-hmm. But again, like been in these situations, I've been in the G League. I've been this this feel like the G. I've been in college. I've been in mid major college. Like <laughs> so, this is. To me, this is like that, and it's like, yes, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's not the league, but it's also not new to me, and I'm not going, and I don't carry myself, and I don't walk around like, yeah, I've been in the NBA, I'm better than this situation, and I don't deserve to be, I, I don't belong here, like I've never, I don't ever think like that, so I always adapt to the situation I'm in, bro, and I, I'm always like you said, bro, the the way my outlook on life now is totally different from when I was year old kid when I was a 21 year old kid like I'm grateful that I get to be somewhere like here I'm grateful that I am able to wake up and I'm still able to play basketball bro yeah. like that's how I think yeah. <laughs> right. so for me it's not it's it's little things like oh we not find private I don't have a I'm, I'm in a I got a roommate like we in a two bedroom apartment like <laughs> But that's to me, that's it's what come with it, bro. It's like it's, it's it, I know again, and, and, and then it goes back to the sacrifices. It's it's all sacrifices at the end of the day, bro. And it's all sacrifices for a greater good and for what I for what I want to get back to or what I want to be at. If you're thinking of, uh, well, let's let's ask this question because I like imagery. If you had a paintbrush and you had a canvas, and I gave you the paintbrush, and I say paint the ideal, the dream picture that you want your daughter to see of what life is, of what success is, of what love is. When you take that paintbrush, what would you draw? What would you paint? What would be on that canvas? I'm going to sound like I'm trying to be deep, bro, but it's just, it's really just how I'm thinking, but like, I can't, I can't do that for her. She, I can try to make life as good as I can for her and make her have the least worries in her life and make everything super positive in her life. But she's going to have to go through trials and tribulations. She's going to have to go through ups and downs. She's going to have to have life experiences that shape her way of thinking and change her outlook on certain things. So I don't feel like I can paint a perfect picture for her. I don't even know what that looks like (laughs) for myself. I can't even paint that for no. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because me asking, I don't think I could do it for me either. <laughs> but it's just like there's, there's, it's like there's this road, and like you, you strike me as somebody you're, you're focused, you're driven, but you're making a world for not only your family but people back home, your big community. I know you want to do a camp back home this summer, and I guess for in that kind of scope and that way of thinking what is it about community and I know like obviously you care about back home but like what is it about building up community building up um that kind of city why is that so important to you um now even more than ever being away from home <coughs> being away from home and seeing everything that goes on and seeing these kids throw their life away 
What goes on? Just because, I mean, it's, bro, like my cousin, I got tired on my arm. He got, he got killed. Mm. It's been three years. He got killed. Um, I just went to a funeral last summer. My little cousin got, he got shot. Mm. All the gun violence, all the, the drugs, the, the kids now, they looking up to all the rappers and they think that's the only thing. They think that's the only way they think. And it's so hard for them not to think that way though. Like, cause that's all they know. And they don't have nobody that's telling them this is not the way. All the older dudes they looking up to doing the same shit. So they, in their mind, they don't, this is, this is what this is. This is what life is to them. So for me, it's so much more to life, bro. And I've been blessed enough to not have to deal and go through those things. One, because of who my dad was. And my dad went through all those things. My dad was in and out of jail. My dad, anything you can think of where my dad probably did. And he didn't want that for me. And he got me out of that situation. And I want to be able to do that for thousands of kids if I can. Like, but, and I think I, I, it sounds I crazy to ask, but I'm like, why? Because it's almost like, as you say it, you, I feel like a sense of responsibility. Like you feel that. And a lot of people don't feel that. And it's not wrong for them not to feel that. So like, I'm like, why right, did right. you specifically feel that? Cause for me, bro, I really feel like if it wasn't from coach Jeff starting the AAU team or I don't know. It's my life could have been a whole lot different, bro. Like literally, like <laughs> life is about decisions, opportunities, time. Like my life could have been a whole lot different. And I'm in a place where I can, even if it's not financially, I can go talk to kids and, and try to just speak that into them and know that it's, it's so much more, bro. And you don't have to take this role and, even if I can make the world a little bit better, but I know I can't change it. I know I can't change the whole city just by myself and just saying some words and, or doing a basketball camp or trying to just do little different things. But if 10 kids hear me, maybe them 10 kids grow up and they can affect a mm. hundred more kids Yeah, and they can change they can change 10 families' lives, bro. Yeah. Like, families, not just them. Like, they families. Like, and that means something to me. I don't know, because I feel like that's what life is about. Like, at the end of the day, when you die, you can't take no money with you. Ain't nobody going with you. And life keep going. And we see how, you my friends, how fucked up the world is right now. Yeah. Like, yeah. only going to get worse if these kids keep doing what they're doing, bro. And, I want to affect some in some type of way, affect somebody run a positive way. In a positive way, bro. When I, when I hear you, you fired up, you passionate about it. And, and I am too. It, it's in my moments. I'm like, man, how do I use my voice? I know God gives us gifts and traits to, to, to use and to speak and to touch people. And I know God works through people. And I'm like, all right, how do I do this? How do I do that? That's something that I stress and I struggle with. When you think about your story now, that's what I'm, I don't mean to cut you off. No, yeah. I'm struggling with that so bad. You know me. Like I'm I, I am who I am, but I, I'm also to myself. I, I'm quiet. Like I don't but I, I wanna get out of that. I wanna 
I want to be more of a voice because I feel like I've, from where I started at and where I've gotten to and the experiences I've had, not a lot of people have done that. And I feel like I. Did you have to, did somebody have to tell you that? I'm asking you that because somebody like you don't see you until somebody tells you like, nah, bro, like you've been able to do a lot because you're so focused on the next and you putting on for your family. You don't see you until somebody holds up a mirror and been like, bro, like you made it out like you did it like. Um, I mean, I got people in my life that acknowledge all the stuff I've done, but I'm being completely honest, bro. My girlfriend. She. She's like real good at like telling me who I am and like making me acknowledge all that I've done and all the people lives I've affected and mm. to to not be so hard on myself or like basically like she tried to like make me give myself flowers a lot, bro. Yeah, that's love. And I appreciate her. Pre- when you when, so, when you're hard on yourself I say that. and you're and you're thinking of ways to build for your community and you know that you're, you know, your personality that you mean well, and you're doing a lot behind the scenes, but when you want to become vocal and you're thinking about different ways or even personally, or even as a father now, when you're hard on yourself over certain things, what is that voice in your head telling you? Just do it. I I would give myself excuses or fill my time with other stuff and, what would you be avoiding? Like, I don't, I, I don't know. Doing a camp would take a lot of moving pieces, working pieces. Even that, like I gotta, it's something that I, uh, I struggle with though. Cause I, I do feel like I can have a bigger voice in a, in a bigger platform and use it in the way that I want to use it. I guess I'm really speaking towards like the struggle within, like you have, I always believe like mind belief podcast, you have one voice that says you could do it, but the other voice saying, bro, like you, you ain't shit. Who do you think you are to that says that you going to change everything? Like your voice ain't needed. It ain't wanted. Like when those battles come, like what is your voice saying? I know your voice is saying I could do it, but like that mind belief, what is the negative voice saying to you that makes it a challenge to kind of sift through? Okay. What's clarity here? I mean, of course, it's it's like you said, it's self-doubt. Like, who are you? Why do you think you can do these things just because what you played in the NBA? Like, you nobody for real. But then it's like, I think about my dad. Like, I can vividly remember one situation, bro. Because I was always quiet. I ain't like, I ain't like being in no spot. Like, I ain't like being, my, my sister had like a music recital. And it was in the gym. We was all in the stands. And they all on the floor. Like, it's probably like 100 students down there playing instruments, bro. He wanted me to go tell my sister something in the middle of the damn performance, bro. <laughs> the middle of the performance, bro. I'm like, no, I'm not going down there. He like, basically like, get your ass up and go down there and tell her what I said. But I had to walk down there for all the people and tell my sister that. But it's like stuff like that. Like in my head, it's like, I hear him. And it's like, you can do this, do it. Because I feel like me holding back is me not helping the people that I need to help. I love that. I could ask you a ton of more questions, bro. But just hearing how... It's like the evolution of people. You've always been this kind of locked in, kind of focused to yourself guy, like you said. But I always say 
People are people are people are people. People are the same. And so if I'm extroverted and you're introverted, I think introverts think and they live in their heads. They think and they think and they think it. I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying whatever. Like, so I always saw you as, okay, this dude got character. He from the South. I know how he moved. He played football. I could tell I always resonate inside with those guys. So I always, always loved who you were. And, and it's been, it's been admirable, honestly, to see how you've grown because I want to be a father one day and, and like just seeing how you you share her story, and your story and how proud of who you've become and your family. I think it's beautiful, bro. If if you were to think about your biggest dream, whether it's in life and it's in basketball, for your biggest dream to be realized and to be accomplished, what has to happen in your life? I think it's a it's it's probably a list of things. Like I guess the perfect picture for me right now would look like marriage after retirement, having a house, a lot of land, being with my family, having my mom in whatever house she wants to be in, whatever city she wants to live in comfortably, having my people close to me, sharing experiences and sharing that love and being around each other and living life, traveling. I'm simple, bro. Like I'm not high maintenance. Family, love, sharing experiences, being together. The holidays, my favorite, bro. That like the holidays, Christmas time and all the all family being together. That's like when my like I'm really like happy, happy, like genuinely like I feel good. That's beautiful. I I am the same way during during the holidays. That I just I just think that when you when you think about your story, it, it is admirable. And I do I love that you were on this podcast because I think that who you are as a person and and just the the responsibility that you take not only as a man because there's so many people that can go to the league from a G League and one be popping it. And two, like lose themselves in the time that they're up there for you to still build and still want to pour back to your community and still want more for yourself, but still be humble. Like, I think that's not a trait that's celebrated enough, how humble people are when they make it to these places. You strike me as that and and who you are. I know you to be that. that that's something that I really, I really love to showcase on this show, bro. So so not only thank you for being on this podcast, but before I say thank you and end it, I always ask every guest this, overcoming the negative voice, the mind bully, the voice that is in your head, whether you're in this team and this team and you're a father now, the voice that tries to tell you that you can't grow and, and become this person that you never even saw, the person that your pops would be proud of. When you think about your journey, with your negative voice, how do you work to overcome your mind bully? I mean, I'm not even going to sit here and, and, and lie to you. Like, I don't still struggle with that right now. Like, it's, it's, you know how it is with basketball. It's certain you can play bad. Some might not be going your way. Again, like you said, I still got family. I still got stuff I got to take care of. So it's different stress, different place, different things. But for me, bro, I've actually, like, I've got way closer to God. And that's helped tremendously. Like confidence is a real thing. And I feel like that's that's helped me tremendously. But also, it's like something in me. It's like a drive where it's like I've always been, I've always had that mind and I've always beat it. I've always beat it. And what's stopping me today not beating it? I went Division One. I, I went to the NBA. I've been to these different places. Like that voice cannot stop me. And I know that. Like deep down, I know that. And sometimes it still gets to me. But deep down, I know. Like really, like that voice can't fuck with me. <laughs> 
Facts. It, it sounds like you remind yourself of your past and what you've accomplished and you see the evidence. A lot of times when you're striving, it's only like a it, you, you're so nearsighted that you can't like pan out. You can't have a full mm-hmm. perspective of what you've accomplished and what you thought before you accomplish the thing. A lot of times you think like, damn, like what's next? But you don't remember you in the dark rooms, you, the pain that you experienced before you got to where you are now, like you always forget that. So it's always funny. And, and it, I was, I always have these conversations with people. It's always great to hear what they kind of use to push back against the voice that they got coming after them. But nah, bro, I, I really appreciate having you on this podcast. I know that who you are, your character. I like to have like-minded individuals, but hungry individuals. I always say documenting the climb, the journey. Cause a lot of people, they come on podcasts and they talk about how they were then, but like you talked about your life and who and where you're trying to go now. I appreciate you being so transparent and open on this podcast. I appreciate, appreciate it. it man. My boy, no, man, you know, I got you. Appreciate it though. Got to, appreciate got to bro. Man. Love. Love for sure. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Mind Bully Podcast. If you liked anything that you heard of this conversation and want to hear more of these, do me a favor and rate and review this podcast. It personally means the world to me. And to reach the masses, we actually need to infiltrate the airwaves and to share more stories of hope and help to help you overcome your negative voice. Peace and love to the next one. Hey, Genix, you going off?